Leviticus chapter 14. Would you find it with me tonight? The book of Leviticus in chapter 14. Appreciate the sweet spirit in the place tonight. Appreciate you coming back. And been a good meeting. Let's trust the Lord to meet with us tonight. Leviticus chapter 14. I want you to look at verse number 33 with me. I'll get right into the message. Leviticus 14 and verse 33. The Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron saying, when ye be come into the land of Canaan, which I give to you for a possession, and I put the plague of leprosy in a house of the land of your possession, and he that owneth the house shall come and tell the priest, saying, It seemeth to me there is, as it were, a plague in the house. It's strange how the Holy Ghost leads you in areas of study, how he uses certain books to feed you at different times in your life. And all of the Bible is real and fresh and precious, we know that. But some books mean more to you than others at different times. And last year, the book that I read in a fresh light was the book of Leviticus. I've never preached through the book. There are two chapters in the book, to be honest with you. I don't know what I would do with them, but I, 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 it's, it's on my list. I, I do want to preach through the book of Leviticus. And I don't know if Leviticus excites anybody. I don't know if it's anybody's favorite book because for the most part, it does not apply to the New Testament Christian directly. And by that, I mean that we do not offer the sacrifices that are prescribed in the book of Leviticus. We don't have a priesthood like they did in the book of Leviticus. The ceremonial laws and rites, they are meant, not meant for you and I to uphold. We know that there are types and shadows of Christ, but even still, there's a lot of the book that, that is, it is greatly misunderstood. It is Israel's manual on worship, but we don't worship like they did in the Old Testament. In fact, we're not even expected to live exactly like they lived. So all of these rules and regulations in the book has to go beyond just ancient rules for Israel in the wilderness. Because if that is all that there is to it, then there would be no need for it to be in the Bible now. But it's here to tell us not just how they lived, but why they lived the way that they did. There is a spiritual application to every truth. There was for them, and there is for you and I, as well. The theme of the book is holiness. Exodus is redemption. Redeemed people ought to live holy. So God is instructing his people how they are to live in every area of life because holiness, holiness is to be evident in every area of our life. There is not one aspect of, the, of private or public life that is not touched by the book of Leviticus. When you come to Leviticus chapter 13 and chapter 14, you have what is called the law of the leper. Leprosy was a big problem in that time and in that place. And so these two chapters will tell you how to diagnose leprosy and then what to do when leprosy is found in your family or in your home or in your person. And behind that code of cleanliness that we don't go by in this day, it is to teach Israel that they lived in a cursed world. Things are not as they should be. Now, when you read Leviticus 13 and 14, there is one thing that you have to keep in mind, and that is that the word leprosy is both a specific word and it is a general word. 
Whenever we think of leprosy, what you and I are thinking of is what's called Hansen's disease. When you see the pictures of leper colonies in Thailand and, 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 and the disfiguration and all, that, 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 is, that is Hansen's disease. And that particular disease is represented in the Bible and in these chapters, but, but leprosy, I believe, is a general, general word as well for other skin diseases that, that are infectious and that are contagious. And I say that because sometimes that word is described as something that is in clothing. In these verses, it is something that is in the walls of a house. But Hansen's disease does not attack garments. It doesn't attack plaster and brick. And so for that reason, I say it's a general word and it is a specific word. And in the two verses that I read to you, leprosy is detected growing on the walls of a house. It's some kind of mildew. It's some kind of a fungus that is growing there. And when leprosy in the Bible is detected either in a person or in a home, then what you do is you call the priest to come in and make an examination. The priest alone is charged with diagnosing the condition and setting the rules for treatment. Sometimes, sometimes a person has to be quarantined. Sometimes the, the, the issue will go away. Sometimes it just keeps getting worse. And it's important to know that there was no medical treatment for leprosy in that day. In, in no case was there any medicine or anything that you could prescribe to help the condition. The only thing that you could do is try to keep it from spreading. But there is absolutely no cure for leprosy in the Word of God. Now, if you will look for just a moment at chapter 13, I'm not preaching these chapters but just to give you a lay of the land, in chapter number 13 and verse 1 through verse number 46, there is a diagnosis of leprosy in the skin. And if you go home and if you read those 46 verses, it describes all kinds of skin conditions that indicate there is a leprosy or at least some infectious contagious disease in the skin. And the priest comes and he inspects that person and if he sees certain things that bothers him or concerns him, he pronounces that person unclean. Those verses talking about having a scab and a bright spot and a skull and, and an inflammation. Some medical doctor went through those verses and said there were 21 different skin conditions in those verses. But then when you get to verse 47 through verse number 59, it is a diagnosis of leprosy in clothing. Now again, Hansen's disease does not attack garments. So there's some kind of fungus, there's some kind of mold that has attacked a person's clothing. And again, the priest comes and examines it and determines what do we have to do to keep it from spreading. If there is a reddish or if there is a greenish mold in the garment, it is a matter of serious concern. Sometimes the garment can be cleaned. Sometimes it is so pervasive in this garment that it just has to be destroyed. You, you can't salvage it. And you come to chapter 14, Verse 1 through 32 is the law of cleansing for the leper. When a, when a person when a person has a spot that is of concern, the priest examines him. He quarantines him for seven days to see if that spot will go away, see if it will heal itself. If it is still there, he'll quarantine him for another seven days. If after those two seven-day periods that disease is spreading, if it's gone deeper than the skin, then the priest pronounces him unclean. 
and realize that pronouncing a man unclean is like a death sentence. It means that he is isolated from society. He has to live outside of the camp. It is a shameful thing, though it is not meant to be a mark of shame because it's not something that he did. It's not some immorality that he committed. This is something that happened to him, but he has to be isolated to keep this disease from spreading to other people. And again, there's nothing you can do to cure the problem. The only thing that you can do is hopefully contain the problem. But in these verses, if a man or a woman were ever healed of leprosy miraculously by God, then there are certain ceremonies and certain offerings that he performs for his cleansing. All of that is described in Leviticus chapter 14. Then you get to chapter 14 and verse 34, the verse that I read to you. Now you have leprosy in the home. Look, if you would, in verse 37. He shall look on the plague, and behold, if the plague be in the walls of the house with hollow streaks, greenish or reddish, which in sight are lower than the wall. Now, in these verses, the word leprosy is used twice. The word plague is used 10 times. So it is talking about something that has attacked the walls, the plaster, the structure of the home. It is possibly contagious. It is very possibly that it is dangerous, but there is a problem in the home. There is a disease that has the potential of spreading and causing great damage. And behind these laws of leprosy uh, and how to take care of it when it gets into the walls of the house, I believe are some very practical truths for you and I and how to keep our homes from being invaded but being affected, being contagious by, 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 by something that, that would invade our home. Amen. One of the blessings that you have in this church is all of the young people that are sitting in this auditorium. What a blessing to see this front pew filled with young men and scattered throughout a bunch of babies and a bunch of kids running. I, I love that. We have baby dedication once a year in our church. It's on Mother's Day. Last Mother's Day, I think we, 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 we dedicated 10 babies in our church. We right now in our church, we have seven babies in the oven uh, that, that will be born in the next few months in, in, in our church. I, I love a church that emphasizes the family because I love family. It's hard for me to go and preach a meeting without somewhere in there saying something about the home and something about the, I love the home and I, I love our home. Amen. And I'm going to be honest with you that everything else can burn to the ground, but I want my children to serve God and I'm not letting the devil get my grandchildren. And I want them to love God and I want them to love church and I, I want them to love Jesus. I want them to honor the heritage that they were given. And I may never win the world to Jesus and I may not salvage the nation, but I do plan to get my family. And as much as there is an enemy that's attacking our churches and attacking our nations, you need to know that there is an enemy that is attacking the home. And in the ancient law of the leper, there is some help for you and I in trying to keep our homes holy places where our children can grow in the reverence of the Lord. Look at it, I'll hurry. I want you to notice first of all in verse 34 
that there is a realistic expectation. He says, when ye be come into the land of Canaan, which I give to you for a possession, and I put the plague of leprosy in a house of the land of your possession. Now you have to bear in mind that these laws are given to Israel during their wilderness wanderings. But some of the laws are given for when they would settle down in Canaan. It anticipates that when you get into Canaan, the land that I have promised you, you're going to build houses, you're going to build cities, you're going to have a more settled life. You live in tents now, so this law may not apply to you right now, but there will come a time that when you get into Canaan, you're going to build houses, and you need to know now how to keep those homes safe when you get there. So this particular law anticipates, watch this, that even in the land of promise, not the wilderness wanderings, but when you get into the land of your possessions, that thin, even thin, that your home is going to be attacked by some plague, some disease, some fungus. It is not, it's not connected to a sin they committed. It is not because of some obedience. It is just something that is going to happen. There is no blame that is assigned. There is no particular cause. It is not a curse because God is angry with them. The reason why is that because even in the land of promise, you still live in a broken world that is plagued by sin and disease and death and disaster are going to attack our homes because sin fills our world. Sometimes we bring the leprosy into our home. Sometimes it is there just because we are sinners and everything around us is infected by the curse. But listen to me. Even in the will of God, you will have things attack your marriage and things attack your children. Things that seemingly come out of nowhere. Things that you did not cause. Things that are not because of chastisement. And though it is not your fault, it is your responsibility to deal with it. It may seem small. It may seem like it is nothing. It may seem like that would never grow. It is harmless. But the passage is telling you that when you first detect a problem, you must deal with it. You are sitting tonight, I've said this before, you are sitting tonight in a great church. You have a great pastor. You have heard some of the greatest preaching in America that has come across this pulpit. But even in this great church, there are marriages that are probably struggling. That even in this great church, there are teenagers that are under attack. Even in this great church, there could be homes that have a plague that is growing on the wall. And here's the thing about it. You come to two weeks of revival and you may think that that insulates you from trouble. But as soon as revival is over, you're going to see some stuff growing on the walls and wonder what is that. And you can leave church and you can go back home and you know that there is something growing there and you're not sure what to do about it, but it has the potential to cause great harm. There is a realistic expectation. I know families, I know families, you do too, who have had children wander astray, but it wasn't always carnal families. Children wander away 
from the very best homes. It is not always the couple that doesn't come to church that gets a divorce. No, there are couples that come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and get a divorce because there's something growing on the walls of that home and there is a realistic expectation that even when you're in Canaan, that even when you're serving God, that even if you're in the ministry, that even in a good church, the devil is going to attack your home. That, that is why you can never let your guard down. That, that is why, that's why you never lower the bar of convictions. That's why you never put it on cruise control. And you come to revival and you make a real decision for God this week. It is reasonable to expect that that decision is going to be attacked next week. I tell you that every great victory is followed by an even greater battle. And when you get your home right and when you get in the will of God and when you surrender that area to Christ and when you come closer to God, just reasonably expect something is going to attack the home. There is a reasonable expectation. But then I want you to notice there is a risky examination. Look at verse 35. He that owneth the house should come and tell the priest, saying, It seemeth to me there is, as it were, a plague in the house. Then the priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest go into it to see the plague, that all that is in the house be not made unclean. And afterward the priest shall go in to see the house. He shall look on the plague, and behold, if the plague be in the walls of the house with hollow streaks, streaks, greenish or reddish, which inside are lower than the wall. Then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house and shut up the house seven days. The owner of the house, he detects something that's growing on the wall. And, 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 and so he, he, he's supposed to call the priest. The priest is the public health official. The priest is going to examine the main area of concern and and see if it goes deeper, deeper than the surface. It might be something that can just be washed off. It might be something that, that requires some very serious renovations. And the first thing that happens is the priest would direct them. They take everything out of the house, everything out of the house before he examines it. And, and I, I believe the reason for that is because if it is determined to be leprosy, then everything in that house is condemned. And I believe that what they're trying to do is to see if the problem can be confined, see if it can be kept small, see if, we can, see if we can keep from disrupting the entire home life. If there is concern, the priest shuts the house up for seven days, quarantines the house for seven days. Seven days, nobody goes in, nobody goes out. And then after the seven days, if the problem has not gone away, then, then there's going to have to be some very expensive renovations. And, and I want you to think about this. Suppose that you are the owner of the house. And you start noticing a discoloring on the walls. Do you say something or not? Do, do you call the priest or do you wait? Do, do you see if you can fix it yourself or do you just go ahead and do what the law prescribes? Because if you ignore it and hope it goes away, then you risk that something's destructive going in your house. But, but if you call the priest and have an open examination, then you risk that you're going to have to make some expensive renovations. This could get very messy. This could cost you more than you want to pay. But it's possible that this thing can grow and, and, it, can be, and it cannot be eradicated. And it is possible that it grows that to the point that the entire house has to be taken down. 
So there's a risk in calling for an inspection. There's a greater risk just seeing if it will just go away. And at times, all of us will come to that point of decision in our home. I, I detect an attitude in my child. Do I say something or do I, ju do I just let it slide? The, the, the marriage, the marriage is, is unstable. We are drifting apart. But do we sit down and have a hard conversation or do we just, just, just go our separate ways? You see, what, what you detect in your home right now, it may be just on the surface and you can treat it without tearing the house down. It would be uncomfortable. It is a risk. It is a risk to call for an inspection by the word of God and the Holy Spirit. But the greater risk is that it grows and causes even more damage. Pastors come to that point of decision in their ministry. I, I detect something growing in this church. Should I, should, I, should, I, should I address it? Should I let it go? It's going to be an uncomfortable conversation with that brother, but it's going to be even more comfortable if, if it gets any worse than this. And, and will I do damage to the brother if I, if I cut it off? I, or, or greater damage just to see how it plays out. And, and by the way, you can apply the same principle to your own heart. I, I, I tell you that early detection of sin and early detection of foul spirits and early detection of sinful attitudes, that's the way to keep the heart clean. Don't ignore the problem. Don't just hope that it's going to go away. You would think that after two weeks of revival, you would think that we would all be squeaky clean. There is nothing left to preach against by now. But wouldn't it be sad for you to sit here every night for two weeks in a revival and the Lord has dealt with you over something over and over and over and you still, a week and a half into this thing, still haven't made that thing right. It would be sad to have the Holy Spirit speak to you over and over and over and you leave revival in no better shape than you were when you started revival. And I tell, I tell, you, I tell you what ought to happen. Instead of fighting the Spirit over that thing, call for an inspection of the Word of God and root that thing out as soon as you detect a problem. Lord, Lord, I, I'm coming for an inspection of our home. It seems like that there is something not right, but when you come in and when you look around, it might be that you find something that I don't see as a problem, but you want to deal with it. And Lord, if you say that it is a fungus, I commit that we'll get it out of here. It's a risky examination. Would you notice there's a responsible renovation? Look at verse 39. And the priest shall come again the seventh day and shall look and behold, if the plague be spread in the walls of the house, then the priest shall command that they take away the stones in which the plague is, and they shall cast them into an unclean place without the city. And he shall cause this house to be scraped within round about. They shall pour out the dust after they scrape off without the city into an unclean place. And they shall take other stones and put them in the place of those stones and he shall take other mortar and shall plaster the house. Seven days, priest goes in, opens up the doors and the fungus has spread. It has spread to the wall so we know it's a more serious problem. You're not gonna be washed, wash it off. So here's what they do. They go in and they take the stones and the plaster, anything that has that plague in it, and they take it out. And they replace it with new stones and new plaster. In the South, we, we are very familiar with, especially in Florida, we're familiar with mold and, and we know how dangerous mold is. Years ago, we had a hurricane, Hurricane Ivan. Hurricane Ivan went right over top of our house and, and took a lot of the house with it on its way. And, and, and we came back, it was right in the middle of summer, and we had a lot of, had a lot of roof damage, ripped off about half the roof and 
and, and just got everything wet. And as well as summer, when we came back after Hurricane Ivan and went into the house just a day or two later, we, we had black mold growing everywhere. Man, it was everywhere. Now, now, here's the thing with mold. You can't just wash it off. It's coming back. A lot of times you can't kill it and, and just paint over it. It's going to come through. No, no. If, if that mold is in the insulation, you've got to rip it out. If that mold is in that drywall, you, you, you've got to take it out. You cannot just paint over it because it is going to come back. When you have something attacking your home, you can't just gloss over it. You cannot just hope that it's going to go away. I'm telling you, it's not going to go away. What it's going to do is it's going to keep growing until you deal with it the proper way. And if you don't deal with it, it's just, it's just going to keep growing onto something else. And it might be, it might be the way that you deal with it is something has to come out. You're going to have to cut out some plaster. You're going to have to cut out some stones. And you don't want to do that because you're in love with that plaster. You're in love. I don't know if you're picking up what I'm laying down. You're in love with those stones. But you're not going to be able to control it. You're not going to be able to paint over it. And I wonder, I wonder if there is anything in your home right now that really, really needs to be carried out. I wonder if there's anything in your life that really is just infected with a plague and it really doesn't belong there. Whenever we, we always preach against the biggies. Music, TV, television, whatever, okay? And, and I don't care if you have 10 of them. It doesn't matter to me. But why don't you go home and just look at it? Just look at the social media. Look at the music. Look at the TV. Just look at it. And just, just talk to it. Just talk to it. Why do I have you here? How did you get in here? Are you helping me? Do you have a plague in you? Am I letting something into this home through you? Through. Are you, are you really helping me raise my children for God? I mean, I mean, really, is our marriage better because you're here or would we be better? Now, you love that thing. I understand that, all right? And again, have anything, I, 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 you do anything you want to want a home, I'm telling you, but if the plague is there, you're going to have to take it out. Oh, let's just keep moving. 43, look at verse 43. If the plague come again and break out in the house after that he's taken away the stones and after he escaped the house and after it is plastered, then the priest shall come and look and behold, if the plague be spread in the house, it is a fretting leprosy in the house. It is unclean. Now watch this. And he shall break down the house, the stones of it and the timber thereof and all the mortar of the house he should carry them forth out of the city into an unclean place. Moreover, he that goeth into the house all the while that it is shut up until it be unclean until the evening, he that lieth in the house shall wash his clothes. He that eateth in the house shall wash his clothes. The owner calls for an inspection. And they make sure that it's something that has to be addressed and boy, they remove all of the infected materials and, and then it comes back. And evidently they've let the problem go for so long it has become so pervasive in the house, you can't get rid of it. And the only thing left is to just condemn the house, to tear it down and start over from the ground up. Now that's an extreme measure. But what it's telling you is that plague is serious. 
And if you don't start early, it has the potential to destroy the entire house. And everything that you worked for all of those years can be destroyed by a plague that you won't get rid of. There are relationships that have been completely destroyed by a plague that went undetected or untreated. There are marriages that have been completely destroyed and they're not coming back. There are children who have been so hurt by the hypocrisy in that home that they're gone and they're not coming back because somebody wouldn't recognize something growing in the heart. I'd sure rather take out some plaster and stones than tear the whole thing down. There's a realistic expectation. There's a risk examination. There's a responsible renovation. I want you to notice there's a redemptive celebration. Look at verse 48. And if the priest shall come in and look upon it, and behold, the plague hath not spread in the house after the house was plastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean because the plague is healed. And he shall take to cleanse the house two birds, and cedarwood, and scarlet, and hyssop. And he shall kill one of the birds in an earthen vessel over running water. And he shall take the cedarwood, and the hyssop, and the scarlet, and the living bird. And you ought to start seeing Jesus and dip them in the blood of the slain bird. And in the running water, and sprinkle the house seven times. And he shall cleanse the house with the blood of the bird, and with the running water, and with the living bird. And you ought to see Jesus about now. And with the cedarwood, and with the hyssop, and with the scarlet, he shall let go of the living bird out of the city onto the open fields, and make an atonement. You ought to see Jesus about right now. Make an atonement for the house, and it shall be clean. A lot of law, a lot of law there. I'm not, not going to describe it. Be- beautiful picture. Owner of the home detects a problem, calls the priest. We're not playing with this. It's pervasive. We're going to have to do some renovations. Listen, stuff going to have to come out. Take the hard steps. House shut up seven days. Seven days, not going in, not going out. Seven days, family meets at the homestead. Here comes the priest. Priest takes the keys. Y'all wait right here. I go by myself. And priest goes in. And here's mom and daddy. And here's the kids outside. And we're wondering what's going to happen to our home. I wonder if it's spread. Are we going to lose the whole thing? Is it redeemable? And they're waiting. You can imagine the angst. Mama's sitting there. They've done everything they can. But it's out of their hand. And then the door opens. And out walks the priest. <laughs> because you see, in the end, there's nothing you can do about leprosy. There's nothing. And the family has taken every measure the law prescribed. They have done everything that they possibly can. They have literally left no stone unturned. And all you can do is hope God does a miracle. If this house is going to be cleansed, if there's going to be healing in this marriage and these children in this relationship, it's going to be God. And out comes the priest. And he has a big smile on his face. He says, I've searched all over. He said, I cannot find a trace. Cannot find a trace of the plague. And here's what Moses said, that when that happens, when that happens, 
have a ceremony. And by the way, it is the same ceremony that the individual leper goes through when he is healed. And the ceremony is not in order to be cleansed. It is an appreciation that God has already cleansed it. The offerings, the sprinkling, all of that points to Jesus Christ. It's a picture of him. And it's time for celebration. And if you'll notice a word, if you'll notice a word in verse number 53, make an atonement. Atonement, it's to be at one, it's to be made whole. And you have these offerings for purification and for consecration. Here's what they're saying, here's what they're saying. They're saying, Lord, thank you for healing a home. Thank you for taking away the plague and protecting us from further home. And thank you, Lord, for helping us in this house and we consecrate this home to you. It is a reminder to them that they need God to heal their homes and for God to protect them from further damage from the plague. You and I live tonight in a broken world. And sometimes that brokenness affects our home. And just like leprosy, sin will not be totally eradicated from this world until Jesus comes. And we have people in our churches and people in our houses that are very broken people. And sometimes that brokenness is not their fault. It infects good homes and it infects bad homes. But when you detect a problem, when you first see a discoloring on the wall, you must determine to take whatever measures are required to take away, to deal with them. You can't just paint over it. You've got to deal with it. You may have to take something out. But in the end, if your home is going to be protected, if your home is going to be clean, if your home is going to be healed, if you are going to be whole, it is going to take the work of God in your life. Some of you tonight have a marriage that looks like a model marriage to us. Behind the closed doors of that home, there's so much anger and bitterness against each other. And the marriage that you once dreamed of, it is nothing that you dreamed of. You wonder how you love somebody that you hate so much now. And you've allowed a plague to come in there and infect that marriage. You've allowed it to grow and now it's just ugly, diseased and polluted. And what you need to do is you need to confess to Christ and you need to confess one another. Amen. You need to allow him to come in and to inspect what needs to come out. Oh, yes. I'm going to tell you, Christ can heal your marriage. That's right. Some of you tonight are burdened over a teenager that doesn't show any real, real desire for God. You've got an adult son or daughter away from God. And you pray, but you don't pray with a lot of hope. But Christ can call the wayward home. And no matter where you are in your home, you need Christ. I need Christ to show me how to love my wife like I'm supposed to. And I need Christ to encourage my children just to stay in the path. And I need Christ to protect my grandchildren, save them when that time comes. And I need Christ to protect a hedge around my family and protect us from the plague that would invade us. And when he heals your home, when he heals that marriage, when you see him working in the heart of your child, when he brings the wayward home, make sure, make sure that you celebrate. Make sure that you consecrate that home to him. And maybe even tonight, maybe even tonight you need to come and say, Lord, I, I detect, I detect a plague, and I'll get rid of that plague. 
But I need you to do the cleansing. Lord, I, I don't want that bitterness in my heart to hurt our marriage anymore. Would you take that out? Lord, I don't want my hard spirit to spread any further. What do I need to take it out? Lord, please come to our home and please heal our home tonight. And Lord, thank you. Thank you for healing our home. Thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of my children. The plague could have caused so much damage, but you've healed it. And we dedicate this home to you. I told you last night that you need an anchor for your soul in these troubled times. This church is an anchor. 